Hey, I hope you're having a great day. Thank you for including us in your day. Welcome to the quest. It's always good to be together, especially if you happen to be checking this out. If you're checking this out, we're really glad that you're with us. How about if we open up with a word of prayer? It's something we do every single week. And the reason we do it is because we need a connection with God. We need to open up our hearts to God. We need to come to God and express our need for God. And so this is a great opportunity to do that. I don't know what you have going on in your life today, but I know that God knows. I know that God wants to give you the strength that you need. He wants to give you the faith, the courage, all of the things that you need. He wants to provide that for you, but he's looking to you to turn to him. So let's do that together. Father, we turn to you right now. Father, we come to you humbly, recognizing that we have a great need. We have a need for you in our lives. Without you, there is no meaning in life. There is no purpose in life. And, and Father, we come to you knowing that you provide all that we need. You are the Father that is a great provider. And there is nothing that we need that you do not provide. And so for the challenges that we face, for the needs in our life, for the things that we're going through, Father, we ask for faith. We ask for strength. We ask for courage. We need your peace in our lives. We need your joy. Father, we need your love to love other people the way that you ask us to. Father, in the midst of this chaos that we live in, in the middle of this world of chaos, Father, we need your peace especially. And I just ask that you would provide that for us. I ask, Father, that for whatever the needs are in our lives, that we would find you to meet the needs at the deepest level of our lives. Father, speak into our hearts today. Whatever the words are that are said today, Father, I ask that your spirit would magnify them and use them. Father, that your spirit would speak through them to our hearts. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in a great series. A series that we've been in for a few weeks. It's entitled Kingdom Come. Because we live in the conflict of two kingdoms, because we are exposed to the darkness of the kingdom of this world, because we are engaged in a very real spiritual battle, we desperately need the Holy Spirit to produce in us peace and joy and strength and courage for all of the things that we face, for the times that we live in. Paul reminds us in the book of Romans, he says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness. In other words, being right with God through Jesus and experiencing the peace and joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He said that it is within you. It's not something that you can necessarily see around you. It is what God is producing in you. And probably the best way to remember what the kingdom of God is, is this. You can write it down. The kingdom of God is the rule of Christ in my life. The rule of the king in my life. How does Jesus rule in your life? Does Jesus set the order of your life? Do you allow him to control your life? Does he establish the directives of your life? Does he govern your life? Does he establish the truth that you live by? Does he establish the standard of your life? See, Jesus is the king of the kingdom of God. And as a king, he wants to rule our hearts. He came to establish the kingdom of God in our lives. And he's called each of us to be citizens of his kingdom. And something that we see in the gospels as well as today as citizens of the kingdom, we are called to three things. You can write them down. The first one is we're called to follow Jesus 100% to get our example of how to live from him, 
to discover him as Lord of our lives and learn to surrender ourselves to him and his will. As citizens of the kingdom, we're also called to leave behind the old life, to pursue the things we used to pursue, to not be entangled by this world or the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness. And the last one is we're also called to a task in the kingdom of heaven. He has given each of us a task to be a part of the kingdom of God. And as we look at last week, to invest our lives in his kingdom. But another part of the task that we've been given as we invest our lives in the kingdom of God is this. You can write it down. As citizens of his kingdom, I'm called to expand his kingdom. We're called to invite others to experience the king, to be a part of the kingdom of God, to experience Jesus for themselves. We're actually called ambassadors of Christ because we represent Jesus and his kingdom. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as though Christ himself were pleading with you. Receive the love he offers you. Be reconciled to God. It's important to remember that we're called to expand the kingdom. And because of that, we're looking at another parable about the kingdom of God. It demonstrates our role as ambassadors. It's found in Luke, and I want to read it for you. It goes like this. A man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied with a story, a parable. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guest, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. The master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that my house will be full. But none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Well, the man who plans the great feast is Jesus, and the servant mentioned in the parable is us. We are servants of the king. The feast, in fact, is the reference to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The great feast that Jesus will have with his church, the bride. And all of us who follow Christ are known as the bride of Christ. But this is more than an invitation to a feast, right? It's an invitation to belong to the kingdom of God. Because no one attends the feast that does not belong to the king. So the man sends the servant out to tell everyone that everything is set. Everything is ready to go. It reads like this. He sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But rather than coming back with happy guests, he comes back with empty excuses. And while it's common to find this with people that do not belong to the kingdom of God, we would be wise to pay attention to this point as citizens of the kingdom of God. And the point is this, when the distractions in life become the priorities of our life, we miss the kingdom. Don't miss that. Not we can miss the kingdom, we will miss the kingdom. The distractions in life will become our life. Jesus didn't pull punches when it came to the distractions in life. 
During his ministry, Jesus called people to follow him, and they responded with great excitement, as well as with excuses. Excuses like simply, hey, before I follow you, let me go and say goodbye to my family. But listen to how Jesus responds. He says, but Jesus told them, anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I plan for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. Like I said, Jesus doesn't pull punches when it comes to the distractions in our lives that we allow that keep us from the kingdom of God. See, the truth is life doesn't begin until our excuses end. This is true for believers as well as unbelievers. The excuses in our life keep us from experiencing the life that Jesus offers. See, the people that refused to come to this man's banquet were busy. Life got in the way. But nothing in life should have greater priority than God in our life. It's just important that we remember the excuses of our lives keep us tied to this world as well as keep us out of the kingdom of God. This parable communicates Jesus' desire for heaven to be full. Scripture reads it this way. His master said, urge anyone you find to come so that my house will be full. The servant is sent out to the city as well as the countryside to find anyone and everyone that wanted to come to the banquet. And just so we don't miss this understanding, the message of the good news of Christ is the invitation we give for everyone today. In fact, a point you can write down is really important. It's this, everyone is welcome, but not everyone will attend. That is a sad truth. In this conflict of two kingdoms, Satan is at work doing all he can to prevent and keep people from experiencing Jesus themselves, to prevent people from surrendering their lives to Christ, from receiving the life that he gives. Listen to what scripture says about Satan's plot. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So we, as servants of the king, are sent out to expand the kingdom, to increase the population of the kingdom of God. And at some point, we have to accept this mission that's given to us. In fact, a point you can write down is this. God's desire to fill heaven includes you. God's desire is to give life to this world and to have relationship with the people of this world. And that desire, that mission includes you. The people in your life are part of the mission for your life. God wants you to be part of what he's doing. God has a critical part for you to fill in his desire and his plans to reach the world. See, when we understand what is at stake, when we understand the battle that we're in, when we understand that rejection is not personal, it's spiritual, when we finally get that their excuses expose their blindness, I think that's when we're willing to step in and do our part. See, something else you can write down is this, our surrender to the king compels us to participate with the king. Our surrender to the king makes us willing to participate with the king. When we surrender, we stop fighting God and we start participating. We partner with the king for the kingdom. We accept the task that we've been given to expand the kingdom of God. Scripture says this way, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. 
For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. See, this is not something we have to do. It's something that we want to do. See, if God's plan for this world includes you, then something we also need to get is this you could write down. God's plan for you will have to reflect God's love in you. Your heart for people must reflect the heart of the king for people. See, if we go back to that scripture in 2 Corinthians, it says it this way. It says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And then it goes on and says, And he gave us this wonderful message, a ministry, if you will, of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Have you ever found yourself in that place? Maybe not physically, but have you ever emotionally and maybe even mentally just pictured yourself pleading with people that you love to come back to God? Maybe people that have walked away. Maybe people that have never opened up their hearts. But you find within you, deep within you, this pleading and this desire to see people get connected with God because you understand what's at stake. We don't yell at people, we don't guilt people, but we plead with them. That scripture that we just read points out some important truths you can write down is this. You are a representative of the king. You represent Jesus. An ambassador speaks on behalf of the person that they represent. You have been sent out by the king for the kingdom. And another truth you can write down is you are not elected by people, but chosen by God. This is not about a position of power. A servant is a status of service. And you might say, I didn't sign up for this. You didn't have to. God qualified you when he called you because he believes in you and he's with you. You may not feel qualified to be used of God, but don't forget, this is not about your feelings. You don't have to feel anything other than compassion for the lost. See, we have to be careful again. We can allow excuses in our lives to keep us from the calling on our lives. And let me just show you again and read it again. It says this, God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So how do you carry out this calling in your life? I think the way that we carry out the call of reconciliation is this. First of all, personally accept the task given to you. The task is personal. It's for you. Be willing to do what the king has asked you to do. Your love for the king and the kingdom has to get translated into a greater love for people. Willing to be used, willing to go, willing to speak, willing to share. We have to take up the heart of Isaiah, if you will. I love this verse. It's kind of a family verse for us, but it's found in Isaiah 6, 8. It says this, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I send me. God has a plan to reach people and that plan requires us to accept his call in our lives. Willing to go, willing to risk. Remember we talked about that last week when we talked about investing our life and when we invest our life in the kingdom of God, risk is required. So do you have a heart for the lost? Do you have a heart for those who make excuses? I would say accept the challenge that Paul gives and it's this, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? 
That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. The Lord refers to us as beautiful when we take up the call, when we go to the lost, when we go to people that are disconnected from God, when we invest in the kingdom of God. We also carry out the call of reconciliation this way. We invest in praying for people that are disconnected from God. See, when our hearts are moved for people, when our hearts hurt for people because we care for people disconnected, we pray and we need God to prepare them, to speak to them. We need the courage to speak to them ourselves. Bringing people into the kingdom requires prayer. Paul said this, he said, My friends, how I wish with all of my heart that my own people might be saved. How I pray to God for them. Prayer is essential. God changes people's hearts when we pray. We're asking God to step in to use us, to work through us, to create opportunities for us. When Paul was trying to carry out this call, Paul said this, he said, Don't forget to pray for us that God will open doors for telling the mystery of Christ. Even while I'm locked up in jail, pray that every time I open my mouth, I'll be able to make Christ plain as day to them. God may be speaking to you right now about people in your life that are disconnected, people in your life that are making excuses about God. I would encourage you to start praying for them. Pray that God would use you to reach them. We also carry out the call of reconciliation this way. Spend time with people and their excuses. We can't be spectators. God has put these people in your circle of influence. People who have a relationship with you. People who trust you. He has them in your life for a purpose. The time you have already invested in these relationships is an investment for God to use you to reach people that he's placed in your life. You might remember the woman at the well that Jesus encountered. She had excuses. Jesus didn't walk away from her. He spent time with her. He talked to her. He engaged her excuses. And after Jesus had spent time with her, the scripture records it this way. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. The problem that we encounter is the longer that we're Christians, the less likely we are to have friends that are not Christians. For some reason, we stop hanging out with people that are disconnected from God, but that is not what Jesus did. Jesus hung out with people disconnected. God's strategy is not for us to isolate ourselves away from people that are disconnected from God, but to spend time and invest time into them and their excuses to have conversations. We also carry out the call of reconciliation this way. Invite people to come with you. We invite people to experience the king for themselves. The directive that was given to the servant was really more than invite others. Other translations use a different word. And it reads this way in the NIV. It says, Then the master told the servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Compel is to push or to force. And I believe that, that what Jesus is saying here is this. Do whatever you can to get them in. Don't take no for an answer. It's kind of like when you have kids and your kids are constantly bombarding you with questions and you finally get kind of frustrated or maybe fed up and you say, listen, not right now. 
And the kids, like, when you're the kid, you're like, so you're saying there's a chance. That's what we have to have is this optimism that there's always going to be a chance. Here's the great thing about inviting people. Invitation breeds invitation. When we invite people to meet the king, they in turn want to invite people to meet him as well. Scripture shows us this principle this way. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. And Jesus said, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and he followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. In other words, Matthew invited his friends because invitation breeds invitation. See, someone invited you and now you can invite someone else. We are to be constantly inviting people to come and see, to come and experience Jesus for themselves because we care about them, because the master cares about them. The master wants heaven full. Eternity is long and it's final. Can I just encourage you to not take no for an answer? When you go out, the people that God puts on your heart, don't take no for an answer. Whatever it takes, whatever you need to do, pray that God will accomplish it through you. It's a great privilege that we have to be a part of expanding the kingdom of God. It's a great part of investing our lives in the kingdom, to be about what Jesus himself was doing when he was here. Don't let fear set in and don't let excuses keep you from God's call on your life. If you're listening right now, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You, you may not even understand what this kingdom idea means. If you're not in relationship with God, I want to encourage you to set time right now that you would put your faith in Jesus and what he did. Listen, God loves you so much. He's done everything for you. He's done everything that you need. All you have to do is surrender yourself to take yourself away from being the center of your life and make God the center of your life. To set your affection on him rather than setting your affection on yourself. You don't have to have all the answers. All I'm telling you is eternity is final and it's long. And God wants you to be in heaven with him. He created you for this relationship. He created you to spend eternity with you. And the way that you make that happen is you just talk to God like you would a friend. God, I surrender myself to you. I want you to be the center of my life. So let's do that. Father, we come to you right now. And my friends that are listening that may not have a relationship with you, as they open their hearts to you and as they ask you to be the center of their life, as they surrender themselves to you, as they make you the purpose of their life, I ask that you would come in and that you would fill them with your spirit and that you would give them joy and love and purpose and peace, that you would forgive their past. And Father, that you would give them a brand new life, as you say in your word that you do. Father, for all of us today, I ask that you would help us to be a part of this ministry or this call of reconciliation. Father, help us to be about expanding the kingdom. Help our lives to be invested in the kingdom and not in ourselves and not in our interest. Help us to understand that eternity is long and final, that the people in our lives that we love and care about, Father, they matter to you. And I ask that you would help us Give us the courage and give us the words to invite them to know you.
even if we just invite them to come with us to church. Father, give us the courage to do that. Father, thank you for allowing us and using us as a part of your kingdom. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing in this world. May we not take that for granted and may we not find excuses that keep us from the calling you placed on our lives. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I encourage you. I know that it's scary. But as I told you even last week, to invest our lives in the kingdom of God requires risk. If you didn't listen to the talk last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that one too. It's so important for us to invest ourselves in what God's called us to do. I know this. You can do it. I know this. That if God has given a call to you, then he's equipped you for that call. Don't let the enemy create fear. Don't let the enemy provide excuses that will keep you from the kingdom. Again, I just want to say thank you guys so much for being with us today. Thank you for including us in the activities of your day. God's very best to you. Have a great rest of your day, a great rest of your week. Bye-bye.